Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of Conspiracy 420. I'm Rocker Mike. We got famous Rob Rossi right here. And this is a very special show. Uh, we have Mr. Carl DeNaro. Um, he is a Son of Sam survivor. Um, we have him on today. We're going to talk about what happened to him 45 years ago. Okay, and um, 45 years ago last month, right? Last month, yeah. Right, and um, we're going to talk about a book that he has written that has come out this year, fantastic book, and we do have some uh, some surprises at the end of the show, so stay tuned. So, Carl, um, let's just try to paint a picture of what life in New York City was like in 1976, okay? Uh, I was a kid. Rob was a little bit younger than me, but I do remember how it was. High crime. city was filthy. Uh, shootings were common. The city was on, on the verge of bankruptcy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, for, for to city dead, that, that right. headline. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, people were moving out in droves. Okay. Kind of like now in some ways. It's very, yeah. very yes. similar. Yes. Very similar. And the very first shooting, Son of Sam shooting, though we didn't know anything about Son of Sam at that point, was July 29th, 1976. That was the Donna Loria, Joey Valenti right. shooting, up, shooting uh, up in the Bronx. Now, in your life at that time of that shooting, did you hear about it? Or was it just a little blip in the paper? Or what What did you think of that? If you, do you remember no, it at all? I, I, don't, I don't remember. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure it was in the newspaper. Yeah. In fact, I know it was in the newspaper. Um, I probably read it, but it was like another shooting in in New York, uh, right. as you mentioned earlier. It's a very um, very dangerous time in New York. Um, yeah. Not not to not to point the finger at any particular borough, but um, but Manhattan, Brooklyn, and the Bronx uh, were were hit, hit heavily, and I shouldn't even say all the Bronx, but. Mostly South Bronx. Right. Was, you know, I mean, it was it was burning. It yeah. was being looted, robbed, yes. murders. And, yeah, um, Manhattan, um, parts of Brooklyn, and actually parts of Queens, like Jamaica. Jamaica Queens was um, was not exactly a safe place to be back in the day. Sure. So, with that said, uh, my 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 situation, my, you know, when I was shot, I got shot in uh, North Flushing, which is. Um, middle, upper middle class neighborhood. Um, back then, even though we knew this stuff was going on in, you know, in, in, in the other boroughs, um, it didn't really affect us. Uh, there was no, there was no murders. There was no crime. There was no arson. Uh, you know, so it was something, if you lived in California and you're reading about the demise of New York City, people lived in my neighborhood got the same 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 reaction in north flushing just so people can picture it this is a neighborhood of, of single family homes yeah mostly. tutors yeah you know, tutor tutors, style five, five bedroom houses not not big not, not big apartment buildings much you know no apartment yeah buildings well, really flushing, yeah. yeah so this was a quiet neighborhood right and just before we get into exactly what happened with you what were you doing with your life at that time? What, what were you? What was your? I mean, you were about twenty years old. What I was, was your, What was your? What, what did you think your future was going to be at that point? Well, what I thought <laughs> and what my future became was two two different animals. Right. But um, I had dropped out of college. Uh, I went to uh, Queensboro Community College for 
year and a half and uh, took a series of um, full-time jobs, like factory work. And, and it was, you know, two months into my first factory job, I'm like, this is, as me and my friends used to kid around, not a job of the future. So um, I was kind of floundering, not knowing what to do. And um, I decided to join the Air Force. And I thought I was into photography at the time, um, self-taught. Um, took a lot of concert pictures uh, that was in and friends you know you know the weekend weekend parties I'd be the photographer Um, so it took me a couple weeks to get the courage to walk into uh, the recruiting office but um, I did and uh, I had hair down to here Uh, yellow flannel shirt dungarees construction boots (laughs) not exactly what not exactly. I, mean, I still remember the guy's name. It's uh, Sergeant. This Nager. was this was the Air Force, right? This the were, Air Force. Yeah. And uh, I walk in and um, I said, "I'd like to join the Air Force." So and he took me very serious. He wanted to know why, and uh, yeah, I told him. I, I kind of lied and said I want to follow in my uncle's footsteps. Um, my uncle was in the Air Force, but um, that's not why. Yeah. I just didn't think it was appropriate to say. I'm working at a factory and I need a future. I got nothing else going. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, so I, I took the test. I scored well in the test. I had my my um, option of any job I wanted. So I said photography. So, um, yeah, I was uh, signed up. I mean, who knows how it would have worked out. But once I finished basic training, <clears throat> I was going to go to the, um, the academy in uh, Colorado Springs yes. and be trained for um, aerial photography. Wow. Okay. So, so, you know, your the, your shooting was October twenty third, nineteen seventy six. You went into the bar, Pex Bar and Grill, yes, right, which is by the Flushing train station, <coughs> Broadway. Of, I, I kind of yeah, remember, station, yeah. remember it a little bit, but because I was from Queens too. Okay. But um, we're 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 in Queens. Oh, uh, uh, Glendale, Middle. Oh, okay. Middle yeah. Yeah. Um. But my father lived in Flushing, so I was oh, always, okay. every weekend I was there. Yeah, I grew up kissing. in Hell's Kitchen, New York, so I was in the middle of my hand with Times Square, what's like porn, porn square. Yeah. Yeah. And you would walk to Times Square, and there was like the, the show world. Oh, I know, the, I know the neighborhood well. There yeah. was Greyland, you, you were your this, fake ID. You were, this, you were this close away from, uh, from where we to 40 dudes, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. 40 dudes, yeah. That's where we got my first fake ID. I, 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 <laughs> Me too, we always talk about it. Hey, can I get an ID? <laughs> <laughs> Five dollars in the yeah. ticket. It's great. <laughs> so you had this Air Force future ahead of you. Uh, you were about to go to boot camp and you go into Peck's Bar and Grill for a good time okay hang out for the night I, I, I mean I understand you had friends there and yeah it was a bar it was, it was, it was a bar, bar I hung out at yeah. yeah the neighborhood bar yeah so what happened that night tell us so it's a very simple we, we me and my friends went to a house party wasn't that good. We went back to the bar around eleven thirty. Place was hopping as it usually was on a Friday and Saturday night, and um, a couple of girls were there that uh, you know hung out. They hung out at many places, but they you know Pex was one of their stops. Yeah. And um, I, I knew these girls through uh, Queensboro, yeah. so um, Rosemary Keenan was there, and uh, her and I had gone on a few dates. Uh, 
past two years. And, uh, you know, we were just playing foosball, doing some shots, drinking, and uh, uh, two hours, two and a half hours later, I guess it was about quarter to, quarter to two, um, we decided, uh, Rosemary and I decided to leave. So we uh, went outside, got into her car, and um, drove, drove away from Pabst with no, um, no particular uh, destination. And uh, we just kind of, again, this is my neighborhood, not hers. So I was just kind of directing. Where was she from? She she was from um, St. Robert's Parish, uh, Bayside. Ah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, she, yeah, she Next neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, not not far, yeah. you know. But um, you're right, right, off, uh, right off the expressway in Belleville. Gotcha. For those of you familiar with Queens. Um, yeah, so we just drove around and... Um, uh, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of weird how I picked this block. Um, it's just I guess because it's familiar. Three of my friends lived on that block, mm-hmm. so I said, "Yo, make a right down 159th Street." And you know, we drove by my friend's house, and then we came to a stop sign. I remember a car going by the avenue, letting the car go, you know. And then when the car passed, she crossed the avenue, and I said, I'll "Pull over here." So it was, it was basically the corner house of 159th. 33rd. Yes. And um, she parked the car, and two, three, four minutes later, my life changed. Yeah. Oh, wow. So. Now, the shot came from the back, right? From the back window was well, thrown out? Or that's uh, the. the I, I've operated under that uh, assumption for, for many, many years. Uh, some ballistic, um, some, some guys that are involved in the research. To this day, have some ballistics background, and um, now there's some question if um, if the shot was actually fired from from the rear, as I was told um, by the police. Um, it's very possible that the uh, the shots were fired um, like other Son of Sam shootings um, on the side, from the side, from the side. Whoa. Well, you were in a Volkswagen Beetle. I was in a Volkswagen Small Beetle. Small car. Yep. Okay, so, you know, the side there was no fourth door. It's a nope. two-door car. Right. So, your side, you're, you're, now you're not driving. You're on the passenger side. You're facing the sidewalk, right? Right. Run 59 is a one-way, so. You're, I'm, you're, I'm right on the curb. You're right on the curb. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. So, I don't, you know, it, uh, I don't, obviously, I don't have a photo handy. You might yeah. be in the book, though. Um, you can see the um, the hole that the bullet made in the roof of the Volkswagen. Yeah. And everyone knows it's like a rounded roof. But right over where my head would be is where this... this, this um, so it's possible you know, that the shooter may have actually come pretty close to the car when he did that. Or she, we don't know. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I would like to say it's not the same shooter. It's not the same shooter. Whatever, that covers, whoever that, that covers, person is. Covers yeah. all sexes yes. and, uh, and covers multiple people. Multiple people. Right. right. So so I, I don't know. One ballistics guy actually came up with a theory that just based on the photos, um, to, just to go back a, a minute, um, these photos um, of the bull hole that I was just talking about, I had seen on a TV show or a news show. Back in the 80s. Yeah. It was a quick boom. Uh, this is before I had, uh, we had recording devices. Yeah. Um, and I never saw that picture again. And about 
is now about three years ago, Rosemary's sister, who I was also friends with but not as close, um, was looking for me. And we have a lot of mutual friends um, that live in that live in my town right now. So one day, one night, we ran into each other, and she goes, "I've been looking for you." And um, she said, "I have." My mother was throwing my dad's stuff out, and um, <clears throat> I have some photos of uh, the Volkswagen. Yeah. So she sends it to me, and that's first time I actually had an opportunity to to look at these photos and really examine them. And of course, I've posted some of them, um, but, you know, put one or two in the book. Right. But I, I posted the yellow pictures, and people started picking up on it. So, again, the, one ballistics guy is, um, uh, his, his theory is that it, the shot was fired from um, an elevated position across the street. I don't buy it. Across um, the street. Across the street. Because the reason I don't buy it is there's no way Rosemary would have would have avoided getting his picture of the car. Right, so so you can see you you can see right here where the uh, the bowl head as you can see. I see. Kind of of like right where my head is. Yeah. (laughs) For everybody interested, this is the book called Rogue. We'll get into it a little bit more soon. The Son of Sam and Me. The truth about why I wasn't shot by David Berkowitz. Okay, so it's an easy read. It's an easy I read. It, I went through it in two days. Couldn't put it down. To be honest with you, I read it on the subway and everything. You know, couldn't yeah. put it down. I, I I suggest I suggest you read the Ultimate Evil. Yes, but that's yes. six hundred fifty pages yes. of uh, the audio a lot of information. The audio book. The audio, I, I've heard. I have. <laughs> yeah, I have the book and I have the audio. That's why I read Straight. the book. I just had the book and I put the audio on and I just it was easy to follow. follow. Then yeah, it's yeah. very weird. Yeah, you see the words. Maury goes into yeah. a lot of detail. Yeah. I, I go into detail, but I, I kind of wrote my book um, with the assumption that you read the old medieval. So this is more of a. Like a uh, it's almost a companion or an update. Mm. Yeah. Um, but not an update on the ultimate evil, an update on the Son of Sam research. Right, right. Now, obviously, you're shot, and Rosemary appears to be okay, right? And you're like, let's get the hell out of here, right? And that's, I think that's exactly did, what I did, said. Did, did you go right to the hospital? Where did you go? No, what happened was uh, once all the, the windows exploded, um, I, I yelled. Know, let's get out of here. And uh, she started the car, and we we headed north on uh, 159th Street to 32nd Avenue. Yeah. So now we're right at what right at Mount Park. Again, for those of you yep. familiar with the area, uh, she made her right onto 32nd Avenue, going um, east, and um, I passed out. When I came to, um, I, I, apparently I was only I passed out for 10, 15 seconds. <clears throat> because um, when I came to, we were about three or four blocks from Pex, the bar that we started oh, at. Wow. Right. So, contrary to the rumors that were flying around back in '76, um, that's the reason I wound up in Pex um, because it was there. Um, it was so close. Um, for those of you who don't know the rumors, some of the rumors were uh, 
Cole refused to go to the emergency room until he got a shot at Jack Daniels. Uh, that is not true. <laughs> I did hear that. Of course, I heard know. that like like thirty years ago. Oh, it, was, it was it was a, it was a big Queens rumor. Yes, yes. And, you know, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't spend a whole lot of time refuting it because to me, why it not? Sounded why not? Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. But, but you would do true. that. I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, pro- I probably would too. Give, give, give me a shot of Jameson before I go. Right, another one. We have another one. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's um, so that that's so how you I go went. back in the ball. Yeah, you're you're bleeding from your head. Well, what what happened? I wasn't. I I had cuts on my uh, hand from, from the glass. More, I, I, they, were, they did find some bullet fragment, but sure. most of it was glass. Um, I I didn't know I was shot, um, but uh, when I walked up to the door, the guy at the door, this guy Vinny, who, who I knew well. He said, you know, Carl, you don't look good. I said, I don't feel good. I said, the car blew up. And with that, he sat me down, and my head went down, and my hair was holding all the blood in. Just gushed. And yeah, it just, and that's when everyone's like, freaked out. Yeah, oh, crap. We got, we got to get him to the hospital. Yeah. So I got up and walked with uh, three of my friends to my friend's car. We drove to Flushing Hospital. I know the logical next question is well where's Rosemary during this and uh, I do not know if she kind of she kind of got you get freaked out she well which I remember her rolling to a stop in front of Pex and me getting out and she didn't go with you in the ball as far as you know she I'm sure she was behind me but I I I don't really remember and then I sat down um, and then you know before anything I was you know walking back out to go to another car um um, she she uh, she was definitely there. Uh, I found out uh, years later that uh, one of the bartenders called her dad and um, said, "You better pick up Rosemary." And by the way, the car's a little banged up. You might not be able to drive it home. Um, just to, to backtrack a little bit, uh, as far as where the shooter was, um, another reason why behind behind the car doesn't make sense is. Um, and this is just an assumption on my part. Um, once I saw these pictures for the first time in 42 years, um, I noticed that the windshield wasn't shot out. It would have gone from and the back window. Better. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you can't tell from the photos that the back window was shot out, or I can't tell anyway. But it just seems to me that if you were shooting from behind the car, um, and it was so kind of wild, you know, wild shooting because you know they found a bullet fragment in the dashboard. How uh, many shots altogether? They say four. Okay. They say four. But they looked at these slugs, and they were forty-four caliber. And that's what they said. Yes. But they, there was no way. Now, what I had read, I think, in your book, if I remember right, uh, is there was no way to determine what kind of gun it came from because they were too damaged right. from hitting the dash and you know, right. whatever. And that, that and that was that was the problem with um, they didn't have ballistics in those days like they do now. It's, they yeah, they had ballistics, but you're right, yeah. they, they weren't Primitive. as good. Yeah. The, the, the fact that they couldn't determine the gun uh, was not. Um, um, just my case, right? That were most of the cases. They really, they could tell it was a large caliber. At, I guess at best, 
or a worst, and um, the, the best guess was a 44. Now, I can tell you this: um, I, it just came to my uh, it just came to my attention not too long ago that uh, uh, there was rumors, and you you might have heard these rumors that um, there was a casing, door casing was found at the scene. Yeah, and um, I've always shelves. Shelves. Yeah. And I've always been skeptical because uh, I've never heard that. No one ever told me that. Um, and it was also true in the Lamino Damasi shooting. Um, and I always, I always looked at it as it was just kind of uh, bad reporting um, because somebody would have told me if they found shells. Um, well, if you think about it, Carl, this was what they determined later to be a, a forty-four bulldog revolver. Right now, okay. that's what that's what that's what they that's said. What they said right. The official line. Right. Okay. The, the shells aren't going to fall out of the revolver, right? Unless no. you actually unless you un, 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 yeah and empty them out. the chamber and right. dump them. Yeah. So it isn't the time. in the middle of shooting somebody. You're not going to take the time. My guess is you're not going to take no. the time no. after the gun. So they probably never found cases. Right. Yeah. So who knows? Um, there is. Um, uh, Rosemary's older sister um, ha- has told me that um, from her recollection talking to her dad many years ago her, uh, Rosemary's dad passed away I believe in 1983 um, so it's not you know not long after a couple of years after um, but from what she remembers um, they uh, he, he wasn't 100% sure it was a 44. I, I believe he, he mentioned that it's possibly it's a forty-five, and the caliber for yeah for you know for you know for researchers uh, I wouldn't get caught up in um, you know was it a forty-five or a forty-four? If it was a forty-five, then it's not part of Son of Sam um, because uh, first of all, it's very possible that Son of Sam shooters use different guns. Right. You know, I'm, this is just all it's assumptions on my part. Yeah, there's no way to know. I, I just, I do want to make a point that don't, don't, don't um, get locked into that the 45 uh, caliber thing because even the cops don't know. Uh, and, uh, For the 44 caliber. Right. Going back for just one second to the the Donna Loria Jody Valenti shooting mm-hmm. in Bronx that was three months earlier. Um, they were working under the assumption it was a 44. Also, I yes. believe, right? Yes. But obviously, you know, two shootings, there's no connection yet at this point. They're not even thinking no. that there's any kind of connection. That doesn't happen until later. Um, I just want to clarify that. Yep. Um, so you're in Flushing Hospital, and I, I, I was shocked to read in your book that Rosemary's father was put on the case to see what happened. Okay? Now, this is against any kind of yeah. rules, okay? Against any kind of protocol in the police department, as far as I know. Okay, mm-hmm. it wouldn't happen today in a million years. It shouldn't have happened then. I was just going to okay. say, it, it wasn't yeah. supposed to happen yeah. back then either. How did that happen? Uh, Who decided that? I, I don't know the answer, but um, uh, it, it certainly was... Uh, this is long before the Omega Task Force was uh, yes. formed. So uh, it, uh, my guess is, you know, the commanding officer of the 109 precinct, or the the the, the head detective in um, in the 109, because 
uh, Red Keenan was a detective in the 109, what, happen, what happens to be the precinct that the shooting occurred. So, was he I, a lead detective of some kind, of uh, high seniority or anything? Or? I think he was a second grade okay. uh, detective. Um, but, you know, again, let's take away the Son of Sam because at the time it wasn't Son of Sam, it was, no, it it was, was a, a shooting. It was yeah. just a shooting. So, shooting yeah. You know, I mean, the fact that his daughter was involved still makes it um, an issue. Um, but I guess they figured who, who better is going to dive into this case than, than a guy whose daughter was involved, you know? Yes, they had more leeway in those days to come up with. Yeah, and, and once once Son of yeah. Sam comes up, yeah. um, that's different. And yeah. again, this is my assumption, um, but once the Omega Task Force was uh, created <clears throat> and they assigned my shooting to the Son of Sam, um, Red King, um, and, and for what I can see, took a backseat. Sure. And, mm-hmm. and when... And I've, I've looked at the list of promotions, and it was over 300 promotions, in some cases double promotions, which has never happened since uh, or before, yeah. uh, you know, uh, double promotions uh, in the NYPD. And Red King's name is um, um, absent. So my right. guess is, I'm just, again, my assumption, my guess is Somebody once, once when that. Son of Sam came about, they said, well, you know, we got Red Keenan working on his, this one of the Son of Sam shootings and his daughter's involved. That's and almost as bad as Detective Zigo opening up Berkowitz's uh, car in the yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, without a warrant. Yeah, without the warrant. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you're in, you're in the hospital. Uh Tell us how you found out you were shot in the head. Oh, that's I, it's because you, you know, didn't know. No, there's I, again. I knew something. I I knew I was hurt. That's for sure. Yeah. But um, I do not. As to the best of my recollection, I didn't know I was shot. I mean, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell Vinny at the door. Vinny, I was shot. I told him the car blew up, which obviously makes no sense. But um, so that you know, so I knew something was wrong. Um, and the way I found out um, was uh, about 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm still in the emergency room, lying on my stomach. They, they're picking out uh, uh, bullet fragments and skull fragments. And um, a, a cop, a regular cop, you know, comes up to me and says, Son, uh, you know, should I call your parents? And I asked him what time it was. He says 4 o'clock. And I said, I said as long as I'm home by 7. So my dad lives upstate, and I said, as long as I'm home by 7, my mother won't even know I was out. And that's when he said, son, you, got, you were shot in the head, you're not going home. Yeah, going and that, that's my first recollection of knowing I was wow. shot. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And you had a metal plate put in. Yes. Okay. Which obviously you still have to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a long road of recovery for you. It was okay. It was yeah. a little bit of a recovery before you could get the metal plate. Right, right. I and had three three months of uh, right. Basically, being a prisoner in my mother's house, um, not being able to go out. Right. Now the timeline was October was the shooting. Right. So by about January after the, the holidays, right. you got your January twentieth. Okay, you I got you, you got the plate put yeah. in, and then of course they had a check on you. And, and there was more, more more and more stuff in that. But I, I could tell you by um, certainly by June. I was um, 
back to normal, if you will. Yes, yeah. I, I started uh, started work at uh, at Citibank. Believe it or not, as a security guard. And obviously, the Air Force was, was out of the picture at that point. Yeah, what, um, what happened was my report day was the 28th of October. So wow. I guess it was probably like the 25th or 26th. Either me or my mother um, brought it up, saying, What are we going to do? I, I think it was me saying, We're, you know. So she took care of that. And uh, basically, what they told her was um, being um, the draft was over. Um, Vietnam War was in essence over. Uh, we were in that war. They don't need a. They don't need a recruit with a with a hole in the side. So Plate. they so they they gave me an honorable discharge. Okay. Oh wow, man! You didn't even have to do a thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird. People say, "Oh, you were better." I'm like, yeah, kind of. Technically, yeah. Well, I mean, I have an honorable discharge, yeah. so yeah. to me that makes me a veteran. Yeah. yeah. I didn't serve any time. Uh, I was sworn in in August, yeah. so from August, uh, I'm not even sure, August 15th to the 23rd of October, I was technically a member of the United States Air Force. Wow. Now, during the time of your recovery, you're saying all the way to June of 77, that's when it really started to blow up about what was happening with these shootings. Right. Okay. The next shooting is uh, November 27th, 1976. And that's the Donna Damasi Joanne Lamino shootings in Floral Park, where they were uh, coming back from the movies. It was like around midnight, and they were hanging right. out on their porch. I, I think Donna was about 16, Joanne was about 18. Yeah, and I think 17 and 18. Somebody, a male, came up to them and said, asked, you know, directions or something very simple, and just pulled out a gun and opened fire on them. Uh, Grazing Donna, not hurting her too badly, but unfortunately Joanne was was paralyzed after that. Okay, for the rest of her life, and she just passed away recently. Yes. Okay. Um, this at this point, the police department still hadn't pieced together anything yet. Okay. Um, it wasn't until the next like two shootings in Forest Hills that they started to really pick up on the fact that we've got a problem. This could be a, a serial killer or more than one or whatever. They had no idea. Right. Okay, and that was all due to the ballistics and the, the modus of operandi, the way that they were getting done. Yes. The shootings were happening. It was like lover's lane. It was quiet streets, people in cars. It was all kind of piecing together. The two shootings I'm talking about are the January 30th, 77 shooting of Christine Freund, John Deal, that was by the Forest Hills train station. And right. then uh, the, the next one was Mar um, March 8th, March 8th nine, right. 1977, the uh, Virginia Voskarichian. Thank you. That's Let me a ask you a question. So when did, um, when did the letters start coming in? After that, okay. Right, that's when the letters, because there was yeah. a time where yeah, right. they, I letters think, uh, started coming in, and then they realized right. now, we what, have a problem. The, the, the one after that, was in April 17th, 1977, back up in the Bronx. And that was the uh, Alexander Essau and Valentina Suriani shooting. Literally only a couple of blocks from the first shooting, right. okay, which was right off the Hudson River Parkway in, in Pelham. I know it very well, I know that area. And uh, that one, they found the note in the street. Yeah, in the street, across, or, or, across the, or, the, the floor, or the floor of the car. 
I, I've heard it was a street, but yeah, I've, I've heard both. The no, so the note, the note, the note was but left for them. Well, it was definitely left at the right, scene. Yes. Right. And when did Jimmy Breslin get? I mean, I mean Joe Borelli. I'm sorry. That was Joe Borelli. That was Joe letter, Borelli's right. letter. When did Jimmy Breslin get the first letter? I believe he got it in. Um, Right. So after the, it was definitely after. It yeah. was after that. After the, the reason I was questioning you know, is because there was, there was some reference in his letter to Easter. Yes. And um, and Breslin got it a week after Easter. So, you know, obviously there was some kind of screw up in the, the letter writing and the actual shooting. Yeah. But anyway. Well. Right. I mean, this is now, now the city is hearing about this. Jimmy Breslin publishes it. March, March, March 10th is the yeah. uh, is press the, conference. That's the press conference. Yeah. That, that's really, that to me, that's the beginning. A lot of, a lot of people say the 13 months of, you know, chaos in New York City with the Son of Sam. That's really not true. It's less than that. It, yeah. it, you know, the shootings did last 13 months. There's no yeah. denying that. But the chaos and the mayhem really started on March 10th right. and with the joint press conference yeah. between the mayor and, and Commissioner Codd. And because at that point they, they made it known to the public. We have a serial killer. That's a quote. We have a serial killer. We have a serial killer, killer right. Well, when yes. was the blackout? Well, the, the blackout. Was, the blackout was in July. Was it the July? blackout was in July. Right. Um, July 17th, maybe. 12th, 11th, yeah. something like that. In the yeah. middle of the month. Middle of the month. Yeah, I used to remember, but I, I, was, I must have been like five years old. I remember the blackout, <laughs> and I remember like my parents. We gotta go get water. Go go into the store, and and there was the black. That was that seventy-seven was such a crazy year. The Yankees also won the World Series. Oh, yeah. yep. It was like a it crazy was, time was, in the was, city. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, it was insane. And I just, and yeah. I remember at night, like like living in Hell's Kitchen. At night, you would at least hear two, three, like shots. People going. shots. Yeah. And the precinct was on was on. 35th Street, and we lived on 37th Street, and, people, and we got, you know how many times we got our apartment broken into, or the neighborhood? Yeah, it was. They well, used to be breaking. As we were talking about earlier, your, your, your neck of the woods was one of those yeah, areas that was tough. Tough. Yeah. Family, it, it, uh, affected. Well, yeah. I, I, was, I was raised mostly by my grandparents, and uh, they lived in Bushwick, so I was there all the time, and I was there when the blackout happened, so I watched. What's Bushwick? Yeah, like uh, yeah. I think it was back it was, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah very bad. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and they, you know, we what happened was we. The now we can't I, afford to live in Bushwick. Just no, by the way. no, 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 you can't. No, no, no. It's now, yeah. I mean, it's now all like it's Williamsburg East. It's, it's Richwick. It's, right. it's all yeah, Richwick, right? <laughs> Forget it. So, you know, I remember the rioting in that neighborhood. Uh, everybody came over into that neighborhood from other neighborhoods and just. Looted and went crazy. Harlem got yeah, a bad yeah, yeah. Hall, Harlem was rioting. Uh, yeah, and uh, you've also got a serial killer out there at the same time. <laughs> what a, what a time to you be know? a New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, just just to just to kind of like mention it, I'm not a fan of it, but the the, the uh, Spike Lee movie Summer of Sam. Mm -hmm. Okay, what a shit show that movie is because it really just it's a mess, but it does kind of. It there's does, there's it, it parts does, of it that it does kind of grab, grabs it. 
Yeah. You know, when he plays that cameo of John Johnson and he's got a big yeah, afro, yeah, yeah. And stuff, that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, because he looks just like him. But well, then you know, you're talking dark. That was yeah, funny. That was yeah, funny. Yeah, I don't but, think but, he meant but, it to but be do funny. You know, because yeah, oh, I was, I saw it in the movies, so and the I. whole theater was cracked right. up. Because yeah. exactly. it was like it was like the Taco Bell Chihuahua door right. talking yeah, at you. Exactly. <laughs> that's what it looked like. Okay, <laughs> but you know something though. Just let me, let me say this: there is something about that movie that it captures it in some ways that summer, which is what Spike Lee meant to yeah. do. Yeah. But but at the same time, I think that did such a disservice to the whole Son of Sam story yeah. and everything because all it did was solidify in people's minds that one, there's only one shooter and he's just crazy talking to a dog, dog's talking <laughs> to him, you know, and he's punching holes in his walls and, you know, it, I, I know people that believe that that's what happened. I know. And uh, just a little side note, and I've been looking for this tape for a long time and I can't find it, but the night before... That movie premiered. Mm-hmm. I want to say, I want to say July second yeah. of '99. Yeah. The night before, I did an interview on TV with Geraldo. Oh. <laughs> and I believe it was myself, Lori Terry, John Douglas, the, the famous FBI profiler. Right. And um, I have to say. It was all about Son of Sam, and obviously, uh, because despite Lee's movie was coming out the next day, it was kind of centered on that. And Harado uh, uh, was very gracious to give me pretty much as much time as I wanted. Wow. And, um, and that's exactly what I said back then. I said, this, you know, all the progress we've made um, disproving that Berkowitz is the lone gunman. Um, a, a movie like this is it's going to set it back you know set us back and uh, of course at the, my, my closing statement when Peralta said the other closing statement gave it to say to Spike Lee I said Spike do the right thing <laughs> <laughs> so, I, it just came have you to ever me. met Spike Lee? I've ne- I, have you spoken to him? I think I spoke to him although who knows when when production started I yeah. actually called up mm-hmm. The production company uh, explained who I was, and at the time, I didn't know what the movie was going to be, good, bad, or indifferent. But uh, I thought it'd be pretty cool for me to just make a cameo, um, and I, that was my purpose of my call. I wasn't looking; I wasn't even looking for money, which I probably should have been. Yeah. But um, uh, they they put me through to Spike Lee, and to this day, I'll never know if I actually spoke to Spike Lee, but. Some guy on the other line said, Carl, it's not about the victims. It's about it's about the summer of the whole summer seventy seven. Yeah. I said, I get it, but without the victims you don't have a story. And on top of it, why would you why, why would you use excuse me, why would you use the summer of Sam's as your title if if you're yeah, not going down that road? Right. So I said you know, you can't have it both ways. And, uh, and he apologized and, uh, and hung up. And that was the end of that. Wow. And I found out later, which is I, I find incredible, because uh, I found out later uh, when he was filming up in, in, up in the Bronx in Pelham Bay, he was handing out money like like, yeah. like it was candy bars to the, to the kids. One guy had his Christmas lights on because uh, he 
to laser to take him down. He offered the guy like a thousand dollars to use his porch for you know for a winter seat. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. You know, other people told me, oh, it's like you know, I, you know, I have an old car in the driveway. You know, here's five hundred bucks to tow it, tow it to a parking spot. To, you know, yeah, make it accurate. So, I mean, so money wasn't an issue. I mean, if no. you, you figure. I don't, the way I looked at it was, you know, here's a, here's a, a victim of, of Son of Sam. And at the time, I considered myself a victim. Um, you know, you could have, uh, you know, thrown me, thrown me a bit part or something. Some kind of part. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, but anyway. Yeah. Well, and, but he, and, did, he did donate, to be, to be fair, mm-hmm. he did donate, I think it was 10% of nothing to, to, the, um, to the victims. You know, the movie made literally no money. I don't think it did that well. No, it didn't. It didn't do no, that. I, well, I'm, when you cast John Leguizamo as an Italian, no one's going to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the first problem. Uh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, although, although I thought he was pretty good. Really? But I like. I, 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 I thought Mira Sovina was okay. She but, was good. But, but, but Leguizamo is just—he's—he just doesn't fly. The thing that sticks in my eye—I only yeah. watched it once again in a movie theater, actually in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. Fresh Meadows. Mm-hmm. I don't—I don't know why we went there, but yeah. that's where we went. Um, what sticks in my mind is the uh, there were several scenes and Spike was so um, intent on making sure that dead end sign yeah. was in the frame. Right, and it's like, yeah, we get it, we get dead it, end. Dead yeah, end. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I get it. But he's a much better filmmaker, and that, that was another reason. He's 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 made. Some I think he's very a good, good filmmaker, films. and he, he really some, and he's made some very bad films. He really yeah. would. He yeah. had an opportunity he, to. Do it could good. it could have been it could have been a you know a, a classic this, film yeah. if, if you did it right. Yeah. Uh, Another thing, just mention, we'll get off the topic of him. Yeah, is, it, it, one more thing is just the, the the scenes at CBGB, the whole punk rock thing was so wrong in, on every level. Nobody, I mean, he had people in the audience at CBGBs and mohawks and stuff. Nobody was wearing mohawks in '77. It was all long hair, or maybe short hair, but but no mohawks didn't come, mohawks to, the come to the early eighties, yeah, yeah. right? And there's people with like you know nose rings. No, nobody yeah. looked like that. You know, it did. We, we were yeah. still hippies in the 70s. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least in the New York scene, yeah. and, and and it that's, just that, that's that, a good that point. really that really pissed me off because I'm a fan of that whole thing, right? Right. And you know, he filmed it outside CBGBs. And to have like this kind of crowd come in that was probably like seven years late. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. It just did. It did. It did not make That's sense. That's a and good point. Adrian Brody. Yeah. Pl- you know. Know. You know, pretending to have the British accent, and, and then of course he's into punk, but he's like playing the Who, like a later Who song. Right, right. That just yeah, didn't. Yeah. That didn't make sense. Okay. Not that the Who. I mean, the early Who's great. You know, you know but I'd like to say I'm going to go back and watch it again, yeah. but I'm not. No, no, I'll not, take your word for yeah, it. Just take my word for it. <laughs> Anyway, let's get back to you. Yeah. Um, so, um, during your recovery, several shootings have happened. They've announced that we've got a serial killer. Uh, there's a blackout. Okay. The city is it's in a panic over, the, over what's going on. People are afraid to go out. People are afraid to go out, uh, you know, on a date or... Uh, they're pretty. Women are changing their hair. I know yeah. my my mother lightened her hair. My mother changed her hair. I, I, I was when I was a kid. I was I was scared shit. He was gonna get my mother. All right, as a kid, you know. And my mother came home with like frosted hair, you know. And I was like, oh, okay, that's why you did that, you know. <laughs> you know, but, but women were wearing women, oh, right, yeah. women were wearing, wearing wigs and kerchiefs. And, and younger people weren't allowed out. And specifically, yeah. I'm thinking of my at the time 15 year old sister who yeah. who. For many, many, many years afterwards, would bring it up. It's like yeah, I couldn't go out for like the whole summer. <laughs> yeah. And then you have what would end up being the uh, the last shooting, 
which was the Stacy Moskowitz, uh, Robert Violante shooting in Brooklyn. Now right. he had, the son of Sam shootings had, hadn't hit Brooklyn yet. And the police department was staked out all over the place, except Brooklyn, wow. really. They really didn't expect him to go down there, yep. okay? Or whoever they were looking for, say he. But uh, he, he, he you know, the attack happened at, uh, it's like the Bath Beach, Bensonhurst area. Off the shore, off shore Parkway, and uh, it was you know Stacy Moskowitz and Robin Violante were going out on a date, and they had promised their parents they would you know not go to Queens for the reasons yeah. of the shootings, uh, they would stay in Brooklyn, but fate had it that it happened that way. Um, this is the last shooting. There's a lot of mystery about this shooting too, which we maybe won't get into. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh. After this is when David Berkowitz would get caught. And he got caught in probably one of the strangest ways that somebody could get caught, and that was a parking ticket. Yeah. All right. And this is the part of the case that always just baffles me. Like, you know, talk about throwing the dice and getting lucky for the police department. Uh, a, a detective, and I, which detective was it in, in Brooklyn? Do you know? Do you remember? Uh, who wrote the ticket? Who, no, no, who thought of looking at the summonses. Oh, I'm not even sure. Okay. Everyone's taking Yeah, uh, taking credit. Taking yeah. credit for that. Um, one of the detectives on the case uh, decided, after the Moskowitz case, and they, they both died. Uh, Moskowitz passed away. Robert Violante was blind in one eye. Okay. So they were investigating this, and some detective decided to run the summonses on what was in the neighborhood. Let, let me interrupt. Mm -hmm. there, there was actually... The reason whoever it was did it at the behest of an eyewitness, right. uh, Cecilia Davis. The, the old lady with the door, right? right? And yeah. she, she saw it and didn't report it for three days. And she went to, and I don't remember the detective, and she said, you know, by the way, they were giving out tickets that night. And, you know, she went to the whole story. Her boyfriend just dropped her off. She right. went in to get her, to get her to talk, her. and she watched this guy you know, well, you know, I'm, she, she she basically watched a, a patrol car give out tickets, uh, several tickets along that stretch, wow. and uh, one of them was in front of fire hydrants. Right, and that's why the cops went and checked the records. Right, of course, the detective, the the patrolman that wrote the ticket, never never logged it in, and uh, I've, I've been told that um, that happens on occasion. You know, you, you want to go home, you're under your ship, you don't want to do the paperwork. But, you know, at some other point, you're coming so a you little saying, bit early. Uh, are you saying Berkowitz would have beat the ticket? <laughs> <laughs> what, I'm, what, I'm, what I am saying is, is, if they looked the next day, they would have came up empty. That's what, right. I, that, oh, that's what makes okay. it important. Okay. Um, but uh, it, by the time uh, Cecilia Davis reported it, the cops got around to looking at it. It's like four or five days. And the patrolmen have put yeah. it in the books, and that's that's how they yeah, got it. In, in the Maury Terry book, The Ultimate Evil, I think there is a picture of Berkowitz's check that he wrote yeah. to Park and Violation. He paid it right away. He just paid it immediately. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he and the witness you're talking about, uh, the lady with the dog, she saw Berkowitz, what resembled him, okay, take yes. the ticket off the hood. 
Okay. Right. That was that was, was later. Later on, after that was they called, then then it, it, it yeah, all came together. All came together. Yes. Right. Now, how long after that did the son of Sam get captured? Um, well, he was captured. Uh, the, the Berkowitz was arrested on uh, August tenth. Okay. So this is about so ten days later. Yeah. Ten days later, through the ticket. Okay, and they, sure, they, they sure. find that there was a, a ticket given out to a Ford Galaxy at a hydrant, and the guy was from Yonkers, registered to David Berkowitz. And then you have another extremely strange incident, is when the detective calls this police dispatch up in Yonkers. Yeah. And asks and says, "Hey, you know, we got a guy down here at David Berkowitz, and could you the, get in touch with him?" The, the woman answering the phone knew who he was. Yeah, and that turned out to be Weak Car. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Weak Car would be the daughter of Sam Carr. Okay, which the brothers, the brothers John and John and Mike. Okay, the real John and Michael, the real son of Sam. Okay, they were sons of Sam. Okay, yeah, they Sam Carr. Yeah. So, um, they go up to the Yonkers, and they, the, I say the detectives go up to Yonkers, and they basically stake out Pine Street, where Berkowitz was living, and until he, they knew his car, okay, the Galaxy was parked on that street around the corner or something, and the police look in the car, and... St- they say they see the butt of a shotgun. They say. Yes, they say. Okay. We 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 know, we know that can't possibly be true because I don't think you would have it sticking out. You know. Well, for, that well, that's true too. But yeah. but more importantly, from a, a, a law enforcement angle, uh, it's my understanding that if you if a cop sees the butt of a rifle sticking out of a bag in the back seat, that's probably cause to open up the car. Okay, and they did though. And no, well, well they, they, they did. They did. They rifled through and said, "Oh my God, this is him." Yeah. And what did they do? They call up and ask for two more detectives. You have to. This whole thing started with two, two detectives. detectives. Yeah. You're not going after the biggest serial killer in New York City. It's with two detectives. You need that tells you right now they're up there to question a witness. Right. Um, they call for reinforcement. Two more detectives come up from the city. From the city. Detective Zigo, Ed Zigo, who was the lead, goes to Yonkers Police Department to get a search warrant. After the fact. After the fact. After they already searched. After so, they already searched. So that, the that, that, that tells me that, um, like I said, it, 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 it's, I could be wrong, but if you see if you see a, a gun in the back seat of the car, that's probable cause. You don't need a search warrant. So the fact that he went to get a search warrant tells me. He didn't see anything. He just opened, he, he broke into the car. He was just you know mm-hmm. cover your ass kind of thing. Law law, law, um, law experts, uh, lawyers have said over the years that based on uh, the information, um, there's a really good chance that if Berkowitz went to trial, he would have been acquitted. It would have been thrown wow. out yeah, based on that illegal, illegal search. The biggest the biggest yeah. piece of evidence was what, that. The whole scene you just yeah. described, yeah. Yeah. which would have been totally inadmissible. So it's, it's very interesting. It is, but but you know, because it would go in such a different direction so quickly right after that, because Berkowitz comes out of the building and gets in the car, he they eyeball it. 
they go, they had somebody with him from the building that knew right. him. Okay. They pointed him out Craig and said, that's Craig Glassman. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he said, yeah, that's him. And then they went over and, you know, I think the words were, they asked him, are you David Berkowitz? And he said, no, I'm the son of Sam and you got me. More wow. or less. That's, that's the story. Like that. there, there, that, who knows if it's that There's dramatic. a few stories. Yeah. The, the son yeah. of Sam part from what, from, from what I've been told by by law enforcement guys, that, that that's not true. He did say, um, you got me. Yeah. You know, but he, he didn't say I'm the son of Sam. This hit, the, this hit the airwaves right away. And they the city was so relieved that Berkowitz was caught. Okay. Uh, strange thing is he none of he didn't match any of the sketches yep. that some of the witnesses one, had. One one, sketch, one the first one. First one, right, right, right. Uh, in the Bronx, mm -hmm. okay, uh, but the others did not. Um, if you read Maury Terry's book, The Ultimate Evil, this goes into so much detail yeah. about who those people might have been, okay? Mm -hmm. Michael Carr, John Carr, yeah. other people. Um, how did you feel when he was caught? Um, relieved. No. And there was no doubt in your mind between the shooting, your shooting, and the capture. Once he was caught, you believed that this was the person. I had, I had nothing. Yeah. I had no reason to believe anything else. Um, and as I mentioned in my book, I was getting my news like everyone else. You know, buying the Daily News, buying the Post, and, and watching the six o'clock news on TV every night. Yeah, and that's that was my information. And that's I all had everybody, anybody. Had. I had yeah. a little bit of interaction with the police. Um, uh, which I detail in the book. Just, uh, you know, I mean, they gave me a list of uh, suspects from local guys that have been arrested. Uh, you know, is any of these guys possible? You know, was your shooter? You know, that kind of thing. But um, come April, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think I had any um, uh, contact with the police, um, including the night that he, he was, uh, that Bart Woods was arrested. Wow. You would think... You would think somebody would in, call you in, up in customer service or whatever <laughs> would have said, you know, said, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we should contact all the victims and let them know that we we got our guy." I um, probably just figure you see it on TV. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, the way I found out was through my sister. Believe it or not, a yeah. reporter about two o'clock in the morning called my sister's um, number, assuming we lived together, and uh, she she had already moved out, had her own apartment. So uh, she called my mother's house, and that's I found out at 2 o'clock in the morning yeah. through my sister. You know what they did like that also? Because when they arrested, they also had to make sure this is the guy. Even though he confessed, they still got to do a little just, bit more just investigation just to make sure. Well, they, didn't, they, they didn't question him until yeah. 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but, uh, but they also got to make sure that, all right, this is the guy. We got enough evidence. We yeah. can say that we got him. I, you're, you're being you're very being very, very nice and, being and nice polite. About they didn't really do a lot, know, they didn't do but, that. I, but I call bullshit on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't do a whole lot of checking on anything. Yeah. And for those for those of you who doubt any of this and you don't want to do a deep dive, what I suggest you do is is uh, go to YouTube or, or go to Son of Sam, yeah. Google, and look for the photo of um, the uh, the conference room. At Police Plaza, right before they bring Berkowitz yes. in for the first time, they have a poster size um, 
a sketch of the latest uh, Son of Sam sketch. And it was not even close to Barkwood. And it it was so funny because, uh, funny, ironic funny, that almost everyone in New York, the next day, when they had the front page, they had a a, a picture of this sketch. And and then... And then a, a photo of, of Berkowitz being brought in with his curly hair and his, you know, yeah. chubby cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got this guy with an angular, you know, an angular face, his hair pushed back. Pushed, but totally different. And it's like they actually had, the police actually had to sketch up alongside the suspect they just yeah. arrested. And, and it didn't it look good. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that, that should tell everyone you don't have to believe every, anything I'm saying. You don't have to believe anything Maury Terry's saying or anyone else. That's no, enough. Just look at that, and, and but, that but should it, at least at least give you that's that's a little pause for thought. Arrogant, maybe <laughs> on on the police department. Oh, ar- arrogance! You know, I think a little scared. A little scared. Uh, you yeah. Know, I mean, in defense of the police, that they had to do something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You I know, mean, it was they had to end this. City just and, right. That's you know, the whole thing. And, and they would, my 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 big stink with the NYPD is not that day. Mm-hmm. That's that's almost laughable. Yeah. But I get it. You know, beams losing in the yeah, election. They, yeah. You know, the, election, city, yeah. the cities are um, bankrupt. The president, the uh, president <laughs> board already said you're not getting any money right. from the feds. Yeah. You know, you guys uh, are going down. Sanitation strikes. Right. Got to do yeah. its garbage all yeah. along yeah. with shootings, yeah. arson. Yep. Yeah. But where, where where I do fault the NYPD PD is it was three years later and the ensuing thirty Since. thirty-nine years. Yeah. Because other evidence has been presented to to law enforcement and and, and to DAs, uh, John Santucci, the Queens DA, for example, yeah. who reopened the case back in seventy nine mm-hmm. and was uh, promptly told to shut it down by the mayor's office. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. yeah. When all that was going on, when they were reopening the case, you know, two, three, four, five years later, um, after Berkowitz was was taken, was captured, um, were you starting to feel like, you know, maybe there's a lot more to this, you know, or was it, or was it kind of like when you connected finally with Maury Terry? It, it was, uh, it was a long, um, slow burn kind of, slow burn yeah. kind of thing, yeah. um, you know, but. Very, excuse me, very briefly, um, I, I, there was a civil case uh, for, for the victims um, for whatever monies uh, the son of Sam might uh, generate via books or, um, or actually Berkowitz's uh, estate, if you will. And um, Harry Lipsing just kept telling the judge or saying to the judge, you know, other people are involved. And I, this is 1980. I had no idea what he was talking about. I asked my lawyer. And he said, oh, he, he thinks other people were involved. Like, well, was he getting that from Maury Terry? I had no idea where he was getting it from, but, um, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say, I, I definitely don't know. Um, there, there was, you know, there was some things, uh, Berkowitz uh, wrote some things in jail, like um, um, there's others out there yeah. and kind of warnings like that. And Harry might have been just working on that. Harry might have known a lot more than I know today. Who I, who knows? But that was my first indication. The next one was reading more Terry's book, who I, I didn't know. I just I saw a thing in the paper saying, this book on Son of Sam, I went out and bought it, devoured it in mm-hmm. like two days. Yeah. And I uh, said, oh my God, this all makes sense. 
Um, I didn't know any of the players. I didn't know any of their names except Berkowitz. Um, this is 10 years later. because This is in 87. Yeah, it was, this it was 10 years after the fact. Maury Terry, who I think, I'll say to this day, I think that that book is the greatest investigative reporting I've ever seen. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll second that. You know, uh, is it perfect? Is no. It, no, no, no. nothing perfect. But you know, there's mistakes in there, obviously. And in later editions of the book, these, he corrects, he corrects them. the mistakes. So, yes. yes, you know, and he and he never stopped working on this case until, no. until he passed away. But once you connected with him, okay, you got more involved with... Yeah, with, I got very involved. And you had read the book already. You were familiar with him. Right. And, yeah. So... So that I read the book in '87, and then along I don't know '90, '91, I I met um, a retired ballistics detective who worked on my case, and um, I, I I I wish I asked him a lot more questions than I did. But what he told me was what he wrote in the report was a 90-pound weakling or a female shot me. Wow. Um, and that's a quote from and Detective just, Clark. Just briefly, how would they come to that conclusion? Uh, I'm assuming, and that's one of the questions I wish I asked him, because everyone asks that question, and the only answer I have is, I'm assuming uh, he came to that conclusion by the wildness of the, the shooting, because one bullet, one bullet found the back of my head. Uh, there was a bullet um, in, the, in the, the rear well behind the back seat in the Volkswagen, Rosemary found a bullet in there. See, and okay. there was a bullet gotcha. in the dashboard um, uh, just just missing Rosemary. It was, wow. you know, it was kind of like if she's sitting there driving, it, it hit the dashboard like right here. Wow. You know, so I'm assuming that's where he came up with his conclusion. Now, you have to realize this guy doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. Right. I, I have no work with his daughter. Okay. She found out who it was. She went home, told her dad, and uh, we wound up uh, meeting a couple of years later. Um, uh, Maury Terry never mentioned anything like that. This is five years before Berkowitz said a female shot me. So to me, this is uh, standalone information from right. a ballistics guy. Wow. Right, wrong, whatever. Mm -hmm. But he 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 wasn't influenced by anything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So. So now I have the 1980 civil suit. I have Maury Terry's book. Now I have this detective telling me that um, a woman or a 90-pound weakling, Berkowitz is not a 90-pound no, weakling, no. nor a woman. And How then, would they know woman? Curious. Is it just by the way it's all boom, boom, yeah, boom. No, yeah. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, because one thing every cop will tell you, the 44 is so powerful. It's a heavy gun, yeah. It's a heavy gun. It's hard to handle. Um, so it kind of, that's again. That's I'm speaking. For, you know, Detective Quirk is no longer with us, but um, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's what he meant when he wrote that. Yeah. Um, and, and then fast forward three more years to '93, uh, jailhouse interview with Maury Terry and David Berkowitz, and he point blank asked, "Did you shoot Carl De Niro?" And Berkowitz says, "No." And he said, "And, and did. just to clarify, in wow. that in that interview and others." Uh, with Maury Terry, he did say that he only did the shootings in the Bronx. Yes. Okay, so the two in the Bronx off the Hutchinson River Parkway in Pelham mm -hmm. were him. He was pulling the trigger. Right. The rest of them, he either what was just, just a witness or a lookout or was maybe not even there. They don't, you know, we don't know exactly. Right. 
Okay. Or he, he has stated that he was at all shootings, but oh. he also has stated that he didn't see all the shootings. Right. He might have just so been a lookout. Like, yeah, well, in the Boscoid case, yes. he, I mean, he was, at best, he was three blocks away. And, you know, Maury Terry in The Ultimate Evil goes into this in, in incredible detail yes. on each of these shootings, how it, how it really happened or could have happened, uh, the evidence, the, I mean, it's amazing. Now, you're connected now with Maury Terry, and, and, and you've been doing some investigations of your own. When did you decide to write a book? Many, many years after it, that. It was um, sometime. Right? Yeah. I, um, I, had to, I had to say, my lawyer, who, who I retained reluctantly back in 70, 78. Yeah. Um, Everyone kept saying, "You got it. You got to get a lawyer. You got to sue." I'm like, "I'm not going to sue." Sue so him know. civilly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So eventually, there was something. Like I that, did. Right? Yeah. So, so I yeah. I hired a lawyer. He, you know, it was a retainer kind of deal. He said he'd represent me to you know whatever twenty five percent of whatever, and uh, that um, culminated in that hearing in January of uh, nineteen eighty. I I think well, my two percent. Um, uh, my two percent equaled um, about two thousand dollars, twenty one hundred dollars. That's it. Uh, my lawyer was nice enough not to take a fee, though. I, I do have to say that. So you have all that. You saw John Leland Sills. I'll never figure out his name, uh, but he yeah, it's like yeah, he he didn't take his twenty five percent. So I got I got the, uh, sidetracked there. It's okay. The, oh, it's the, the, book. The, the book. Now it's all these years. So later, my lawyer, yeah, it's yeah. my lawyer says, "Why don't you write a book?" And I and I, I told, him, I said, "At best, I could write a chapter." Because where do I know? I, I didn't see anything. I'm reading what you read in the paper. Where, what kind of book am I going to write? All right, so you know, all this stuff happens. I finally meet Maury Terry in '94. We become fast friends. I start researching with him. Um, basically, I'm a student, um, but. Within several years, uh, I'm, I feel like I'm his peer, uh, not as good as him, as him, but uh, I, but I became a pretty good researcher, and uh, we actually worked on uh, some other cases, um, and I would just he would just feed me. So I, I'm a but he had other people with him too, right? Oh yeah, this was the, it was the Pine Street, Street Irregulars. Irregulars. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they called it. Yeah. yeah. So and you used to meet at Kennedy's on 57th Street. On 57th Street, right? yeah. And wow. Yeah. So we would meet once, up a, in the back once a month on a Friday night, <laughs> yep. and uh, Maurice, the uh, the bartender, would uh, always greet us with that uh, that uh, crazy Irish uh, grin that he had, and um, yeah, and we we had uh, we had so much fun there. Yeah. But um, yeah. So so now I have all this information, and Maury, uh, we started a Facebook group in 2013. Which I wasn't thrilled about. I didn't think Facebook was the uh, platform we should be using um, because there's we don't know who we're talking to. Yeah. And you know, do you want to give uh, you know, I don't know people who are sympathetic to the process church or people who are involved in Sunday Sandbox children? Do you want them to be members? Yeah. You know, um, the vetting process is very difficult. And, uh, Facebook because you can be anybody you know, yeah I mean so all you do is set up yeah. a profile name and, and that's you and and I've reported tons of them and they come back and say no it's legitimate and I say really you know uh, Donald Trump is is legitimate um, and it's not Donald Trump you know yeah. but anyway um, so fast forward to like 2016 Maury's been dead for about a year yeah and um, I start connecting with uh, 
the Pine Street Irregulars was a secret group. Um, we didn't really know each other. Uh, there were some of us who lived in New York that would meet at Kennedy's. So I, I, I knew, knew two, those guys. I knew yeah. two or three. But the other guys, um, I didn't know their names. In some cases, I didn't have their email. But um, the few guys I did know, we started communicating, and we started comparing notes. And uh, and that's when we started noticing some, you know, not, nothing real strange. But, you know, Maury was, was a, you know, type A personality. Yeah. Uh, he spent forty some forty five years working on this case. It was his case. I remember another author, true crime author, um, did a chapter on me in his book. And uh, when I talked to Maury about it, ah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know anything. And it's like Maury, this isn't your case. He goes, yes, it is. You know. Um, so all, all the naysayers out there that say Maury was like hiding stuff from me, uh, yeah, he was hiding stuff from me, but he was hiding stuff for no nefarious reasons except that if anyone's going to solve this case, it's going to be more terrible. He was going <laughs> to let you know when he was ready to you, put it out. Yeah. He'd give you a piece, he'd yeah. give you a piece, he gives me a he piece. He held it close. And if we all got together, we, we would know the answer, but his hope was you would never get together. Never get together. So anyway, after his death, a, a lot of those things fell, and that's when we realized. So we doubled down and started researching more and said, okay, here's what he told you. And why do you, why do you tell me this? And, and we, we've actually made some progress in there. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, uh, again, just to, I, I do not believe, and I do not believe for a second that any of this was um, uh, any other reason than to keep the story for himself. Yeah. Um, so now we're like in 2016, and um, my, I'll be honest with you, my. I'm just getting over the grief of losing Your losing friend. a really good friend, and plus he was like kind of like my hero because he's the one that kept the son of Sam alive yeah. for 40 years yeah. by writing the book, going on TV, doing every doing TV, TV show shows. featured him. Yeah, right, every, yeah. every, every, he was yeah. the authority on so, it. You know? you know, and for that, I'll always no matter what no matter what turns out to be true, um, I'll always respect Maury for that, um, and. Most of the most of the rumors floating around about Maury, I do not believe are true. Um, but you know, the future will, will will tell us. So, at that particular time, my daughter is um, in film school. She's a senior, and she's got to do um, uh, what do they call it? Um, Documentary thesis. Thesis. Mm-hmm. So, what better you know? What better topic than her dad? She did you know, thesis on. So yes, yeah, so so her thesis film was was a short film that's part of part of graduating from the Brooklyn yeah. College Film yeah. School. Um, so uh, she started interviewing me, and uh, she started asking me questions. How did I feel? Like my relationship with my mother, my relationship with my sisters, my friends. How did it affect you? Uh, all different stuff. And uh, by the time she was done. Um, I said, you know, I should write a book. And then when she wrote the script, I, would, I was very involved with uh, with her helping to produce yeah. it. I'm actually me and my girlfriend were we were catering, and uh, we, we you know we, we actually filmed it in this room right here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but when when the film came out and um, and I watched it, it just like kind of like I I definitely have to write a book. I have a story to tell. And that was the missing link from that, that whole time, from the beginning of this long story that I just started. 
um, the missing link was, do I have a story? And my daughter convinced me that I had a story to tell. And, uh, you know, I mean, anyone, anyone with a little bit of research and time can write a story about the son of Sam. I mean, all the information's sure. out there. Okay, so um, you wrote the book, okay, and there's a big section of it that I found interesting, a few pages I found interesting about how... Well, that's a shame, only a few pages. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> on, let, let me take that back. Son of Sam and me, the truth about why I wasn't shot by David Berkowitz, okay? No, I love the whole book, okay? But... <laughs> What, you know, one part that blew me away was a few pages you have that you have been in touch with David Berkowitz upstate in his jail cell. Yes. Okay. Um, and this is going to lead to the announcement we're going to make at the end here about what you're doing. But what made you write him? What was and why? I mean, what would... What... Well, it's, it's been something yeah, I've been batting around in my head for years and... Uh, I guess uh, I don't. Mean, I don't know what word to use, but how many people have an opportunity to to go to a jail to visit with a serial killer? Not many. Not many. Um, so that always intrigued me on that level. Uh, the fact that I know David Berkowitz doesn't shoot me kind of detracted from that. So now I'm back to square one. It's like well, you know, it's, I'm ambivalent. It's, yeah. it's not. I'm not for or against. Uh, what happened was a few um, writing the book um, in the very uh, early stages of the book. Uh, a few, a few of my uh, research friends were saying, "You know, wouldn't it be great if you if you had a you know you, you visited Dave Berkowitz and that was the cover of your book?" And I thought, yeah, that would be pretty cool. And I'm like, "How do you how do you how do you?" get in touch with a serial killer and say, yeah, I want to take a picture of me and you so I can put it on the cover of my book. So it kind of didn't go anywhere. Um, what, what spurred the whole thing on was a, a few people contacted me through um, the, David Berkowitz's friends, uh, born-again Christian friends. Yes, he has, you know, he's right. very religious now. Right, and he he's has, got the, you know, he's got kind of his own ministry website. kind of thing. Right, right. yeah. So uh, there, actually two people contacted me a private message me saying, you know, uh, you know, you should talk to David. He's really sorry what, what he did, you know, and he'd like to talk to you. Uh, he'd like to talk to me. And so at first it was a little creepy, to be yeah. quite honest with you. And uh, I conversed with this uh, this woman uh, back and forth, and then she sent me a snippet of one of his emails to her, and I said, uh, if he wants to talk to me, who am I to say no? And now I'm like, I don't know. He doesn't see many people. No, he doesn't. I mean, I'm halfway through my book, and I'm, I, I talked to my co-author, Brian Whitney, who I want to give a shout-out to, because it was more like all my ideas, but uh, he, he put it into a readable form mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that makes an enjoyable read. Um, he said, no, that, that'd be great. So I, I just started communicating with him. Um, and... I, my goal was to get answers. Um, if, when you read my book, you'll see the uh, seven or eight letters that I included. Um, he's very apologetic. He's very sorry for what happened. Um, he's sorry that my life, not just me, the other victims, uh, was either snuffed out or changed. Right. Um, 
but he, he wouldn't give me any information. And that's been a pattern with him, though, over, over this, yes. you know, the Maury Terry interviews and, and other, yes. you know, he, he puts out hints here and there, but pulls back, kind mm -hmm. of, and, and some of that is, is, I mean, it's always been, I believe, out of a sense of fear, something may happen to him, mm -hmm. that the, these people that were with him are still out there in some way, and, or he, something would happen to his father. He was worried about he that for, quite for a, a long time. His, yeah. I think his father's gone now. But, yes. But, but uh, now, 44 years since he's been caught and he's been in jail, maybe, maybe. now's the time to talk. So here's, here's what I need to say on, on this topic. A lot of people think, and again, I don't know all the answers. I'm just giving my opinion. But a lot of people think that He's a um, like a, a puppet master, and he likes he likes the attention. And yeah. I I really don't agree because if he wanted attention, he'd do a lot more interviews oh, than yeah. he does. And he could say a lot, more, a lot more things, and, and he could make stuff up if you you know. I mean, you know, I mean, you know the way the internet or whatever you want to call the yeah. world now, uh, the researchers they you know they can latch on to anything. You know, I could post something right now on internet, make and, up something and, wrong with right. that. Yeah, so. If he, if he was that, he, he would he would have his his people on the outside put all sorts of stuff up. So I I don't believe that he's doing it for that. So for many years he said he's you know he's fearful for his life, he's fearful for his dad's life and his sister. Well, his dad's passed away. His sister has um, let's say I don't want to say kind of underground, but. Uh, she she got married and she changed her name. Um, she's out of the picture. She's out of the picture. Yeah. No one, no one, you know, to her own, um, you know, reason. She no one knows who she is. So she's not in, in danger if if David started speaking. It's not the question of well, why don't why doesn't he talk now? Well, I, the answer to that is why why would he talk? Like what's the upside for David Berkowitz? The only upside is to come clean and, yes. and to do and to do right by me mm -hmm. and any other victims. Um, the downside, of, the downside is, if he starts talking and starts naming names, he's going into protective custody. So Ooh. now he can't. Now he can't go to the library. He can't go to the law library. Yeah, yeah, he can't he do his ministry. His freedom. And you know what? Yeah. I, I mean, I've never been in jail, but my guess is. Joke sucks, and and if yeah. you're sitting in a cell by yourself for 23 hours, that really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so why would you give that up? The other, the other uh, defense of, of him not talking is who would he tell it to? I mean, me yeah. would be good. That would be a good start. But say, tell, what do I do with it? Who do I bring it to? Who who's you know? I mean, the case has been shut down uh, several times. Uh, new information has been given to uh, law enforcement. New information has been given to DAs, um, and it gets shut down and doesn't go anywhere. So, until I can promise David Berkowitz that give me the information, and here's what I'm going to do with it, and something's going to happen, um, I, in a way, I really can't blame him. Uh, you know, there's for no not upside. talking, there's yeah. no upside for him. Wow. But 
with all that said, hope springs eternal. And and I I, I do hold out hope. Two, two of his last letters, or two of his later letters, uh, uh, in response to, to my emails, said to be patient. And I... Um, I take that to mean he's going to tell me something. He might someday. have something for he you. Might have something. Who knows? We might have to wait on his deathbed, or you know, maybe he's going to come clean. Um, maybe, maybe his, the burden is because you know, that's that's been my thing for the last twenty years. It's like, hey, you're born again. That's all well and good, but if you're not telling the whole story, my God doesn't forgive you. Right. You know, you can't just say I'm sorry and yeah, then uh, everything's all right. Okay, okay. right. So, so that's where we stand with uh, David Parkowitz. Okay. Now, you're going upstate to what's the name of the prison? Shawarkunk. I think I'm pronouncing no, it. Right. It's it's in the town of Walkill. Yes. Okay. okay. And you're going to meet with him on November 20th. Yes. Okay. And when you come back, hopefully soon after, you're going to meet with us again, and we're going to hear the whole story down. about what happened. I hope, hopefully, I can give you some information yeah. that um, is uh, worth listening. We're really to. excited about. But that. I will share at least share the um, you know the uh, the vending machine tuna fish sandwich that I plan on buying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can at least regale you in, in, in prison uh, prison food because <laughs> wow. you can't bring in food. You can't bring in Trent, but apparently they have a whole vending machine, whole vending machine. Including, <laughs> might be good. including egg sandwiches. And I told a buddy of mine, I said, not for nothing, I'm buying an egg sandwich and taking it home with me because and put in some kind of uh, yeah. you know, yeah. this is what freeze it. An egg sandwich from prison. <laughs> Freeze it. Like, I'm going to market it. It's going to be a new thing at 7 Eleven. Prison egg sandwich. <laughs> well, Carl DeNaro, thank you for coming on the Conspiracy oh, 420 for show. Me. And again, this is only going to be part one. We have you coming back very soon. Look at the shirt. And look at this shirt. <laughs> That's amazing. This guy's, I mean, he, he's got to hang out with us. He's got a shirt yeah, with so, his own face on. All right. So I just have That's, to say, I wear Hawaiian shirts all the time. Yeah. And uh, my girlfriend <laughs> said, with your huge ego and the fact that you wear Hawaiian shirts, I'm buying you this. And this is what you got me. Oh. So... Wherever you see my face, it used to be a pineapple. (laughs) (laughs) And there are certain people who I know are going to watch this video who are going to get this joke. So I am not imitating anyone. I am myself. (laughs) You know who I'm talking about. Well, I know what people are going to say. They're going to say, oh, you guys found another dude with a big ego. Because <laughs> you come down to International Bar, you wouldn't be able to fit your head in the door with, us, with all of us down there. No, I, 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 you know, a friend of mine says, go big or stay home. Exactly. Yeah, that's the way it is. Go big or stay exactly. home. Thank you, Carl. All right, thank you. All thank right. you. Thank you. Yeah, and right. we'll, see, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And there's something we say at the end of every show, and we're going to say it here. Yeah. Don't, Don't get, get drunk. drunk. Get, Get lumped up, up, people. See you next week, All guys. Right. Take care. <laughs>